Hello and welcome to Signals from the Hill. My name's Stephen Walsh. Coming up, we'll be chatting to George Wildersold, the creator of Ghost Etc. and Internet Crusader for Avery Hill Publishing. But first up, some Avery Hill news. We've got two new books hitting the shelves in September in the shape of Internet Crusader from George Wildersold and Mimi in the Walls from Alabaster Pizzo. You'll hear more about Internet Crusader and a brilliant bit of bonus material George has put together in our conversation in a bit. But don't forget that if you order Mimi and the Walls from us, we've also got a free book plate that will come bundled with the book as well. Mimi and the Walls might be familiar to some of you, as some copies of Alabaster's self-published comics made it over to the UK and would have been in some shops in North America. But this is your best chance to get hold of a good chunk of the story in one go. The first volume we've got coming out collects the first three issues of the comic and tells the story of Mimi, who enjoys a quite productive life in her treehouse in the flat fields with her companion Bobo, until a mysterious and disturbing recurring dream of demons and a long-haired deity becomes impossible to ignore. Both Mimi and Alls and Internet Crusader are available to order from your local book or comic shop, or you can head over to averyhillpublishing.com to grab a copy now. And now, here's some information on another comics podcast you may enjoy. Need another podcast all about comic topics, reviews, and just general chit-chat? Then join David Robertson, Fernando Pons, Mike Sadakat, Giuseppe Lambertino, and me, Tom Stewart, at That Comic Smell. You can find us on SoundCloud, YouTube, and iTunes, and on Twitter and Instagram at that comic smell. Pull up a chair and join us. Some other comics news now. We're all big 2000 AD fans over here at Avery Hill Publishing, so it's exciting to see so many of our favourite comic shops lining up events for Day of Dread on the 7th of September. Gosh Comics are making a day of it with a kids' comics workshop in the morning, a sign in the afternoon, and a talk in the evening. Orbital are hosting a live art jam. Travelling Man in Manchester are combining a signing with a chin-gurning competition in honour of Dread himself. There are other events in Bristol, Birmingham, Newcastle and Leeds, as well as further afield in Dublin, New York and Florida. Check out the hashtag Day of Dread on Twitter to get the full rundown of events and find the one closest to you. And now, I'll chat with George. Hello George, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. How have you been since our last chat? Uh, I've been pretty good. Yeah, busy. Yeah, pretty busy, yeah. I was thinking about how to measure how much time since we last spoke, and I've decided that we should go uh, with one book. It's one book since I last spoke. Wow, really? I feel like it hasn't been that long. All right. <laughs> it's like a year, right? So it's been like a year. Yeah, yeah. But you have, in that time, made a book. So that is, you know, uh, a very exciting thing. Just wanted to start by talking about, um, not recent, but since we last spoke, uh, a couple of visits you've done to shows... I think both times with Avery Hill, so with Ricky at both, I would guess. Yeah, uh, SPX um, last, I guess it was September, right? Yeah. 2018, and then Mice was in October, I think. Had you been to either show before? I have been to SPX before because it's, a, it's actually pretty close to me. It's of course, about yeah. It's a 45 minute drive from, from where I live, but I've never been to Mice before. Right, right. Yeah, they both look, they're both sort of like dream shows that you look at yeah. from the UK and think one day I will go to these shows because the lineups are tremendous and like they have such a reputation. It's a sort of show as well, I think, where people sort of go to release a new book. So it's always quite exciting to see new stuff there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was really cool. SPX, I don't even remember that that well, uh, but like, yeah, I was sitting with Ricky and Dave. We were like promoting Ghosts. Um, and then, and then, kind of the same thing at Mice, uh, but they like brought me up there, and yeah, it was just really cool. And I was there for the whole weekend in in Boston, so it was just like a 
I don't know. It's just like a really nice time. Did you go to any sort of panels or talks that uh, either one? I don't think so. Uh, I guess you're there on business, aren't you? Really, that's the thing. You're sort of at the table selling your books. Yeah, I was. I was at the table most of the time, and then like in my free time, I was either just like walking around, or I had like like work to do uh, right. for my like freelancing. So I like had this like designated quiet room there. So I like took over the quiet room. I was like working out of there on my laptop for a little bit. Did um did you run into? Uh, I'm never quite sure like who you sort of know in terms of, of of comics. Like, do you have sort of pals on the scene that you'd run into uh, from shows and stuff? Uh, well, at SPF specifically, like since it's so close, uh, you know, I'd see a lot of just like my friends from from Baltimore. At Mice, I didn't really know anyone. Uh, but I, but I I don't know. Like, I don't really know too many people. Uh, in general, like in that scene, I think. Yeah, so I was looking at the lineups, and they are, you know, two shows that do tend to attract really uh, strong lineups. Yeah. I think Chris Ware was at one, Jaime Hernandez, and then things like Raina Telgemeier, which is obviously a very different world of comics from what you do, but, you know, there is this thing within comics where you have to sort of except that she's probably the most successful comics career in the world right now. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, New yeah. York Times best-selling author yeah. many, 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 many times over. Right. And it's nice, I think, for these shows to have that sort of scope to them as well, isn't it? Rather than just sort of going, you know, we're going to have it, you know, concentrate on one particular corner or space in comics to sort of broaden it out as widely as possible. Yeah, I think... I think um... I, I don't know, like, I'm not, uh, I'm not really well-versed in, like, the scene and, and who's who and stuff like that. I only know, like, the really big names, uh, but it, but it is really cool to have, like, so many different, um, I don't know, like, sub, sub genres or something in there, um, because I, I get introduced to a lot of stuff that I never would have probably come across, um, on my own. Yeah, it's like going to a great shop, isn't it? You're just sort of wandering through and letting right, things right. catch your eye. Yeah, and then it, and then it's like, how have I never heard of this like super famous person in this scene before until now? I wondered if you uh, noticed or stumbled across Jim Woodring while you were. I think he was at Mice, maybe. I I just have, I have to ask. I think firstly, I think your work sort of chimes with his a lot. I think you you probably uh, enjoy it. But also, I, I went to um, uh, CXC in Columbus last year, and he was okay. there. And one of the things he does at shows is he has a giant pen, as in the, he has an ink pen, a functioning ink yeah. pen that is bigger than, that is like sort of like seven foot long, that has like a handcrafted nib that's removable and cleanable. Um, and he sort of like draws pictures with a giant pen at shows. So I just wondered if you'd, uh, some of them, because it is quite an odd thing to see. <laughs> Uh, no, <laughs> I probably would have remembered that, but I don't. I don't think I. I don't think I came across that. Also, you'd have to wonder: is he bringing that to every show? Probably not. In that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to make very specific travel arrangements for the human-sized pen. <laughs> Two tickets, please, just for you, for me, and you'll see. You'll see. I'm just wondering if you've got any um, shows lined up for this year, because you obviously table at a few sort of Baltimore shows as well, don't you? I think this this year coming up. Uh, I probably won't be doing any any of them unless Avery Hill comes and we can work something out. Um, but I just have like a really full fall uh, semester with teaching, um, so I think I 
I don't think I have anything on the radar at the moment. Uh, I might like head down to SPX for a little bit, but I'm not going to be tabling anywhere. Yeah, sort of. You have an interesting sort of multidisciplinary work life, of course, and you teaching illustration, freelance illustrator, and making your own uh, projects on the side as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's really busy, but I like having uh, just like a lot of stuff to kind of keep me busy. Yeah, it's a good sign for a freelance illustrator, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, kind right. of always want to have something lined up ready to be uh, working on. Exactly. I'm, 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 I'm kind of like planning uh, ahead uh, because, you know, freelance can be really good or it can be like, uh, you know, I could have like a drive spell too. So I want to always have like the paycheck coming in from, from school uh, so that way, you know, a freelance kind of dries up. Um, I still have that to rely on. And then in the summer, you know, I'm still an adjunct right now, so I'm not getting paid in the summer. So then I can focus a little more on freelance, take on more jobs, bigger jobs, stuff like that. So it's just kind of, uh, it's kind of complicated, but I don't know. It's working so far. Yeah, absolutely. And just, just following your work over the last year, it does feel like you've uh, had some great sort of spots to get your work into as a, a freelance illustrator, sort of like, you know, big publications. And yeah, um, you were invited into the Society of Illustrators show again, weren't you? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, last, well, it was it was Illustrator 61. Every year it's like a different, it's like a, the next number. Um, yeah, I was in the show last year for editorial. Yeah, which is like, you know, it's, it's almost like a, a good sign from the industry that you're doing okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, you know, uh, uh, people kind of go back and forth about like the shows and how um, yeah how much they mean in terms of like your success and stuff. Um, and I try not to put like too much stock in them one way or the other, but it is always good to have like that that vote of confidence that that something good is happening. Also, just nice to feel part of a, a larger community as well, as you say. Yeah, for sure. For a freelance illustrator, you'd rather have you know a full bill of work. And no sort of shows rather than, you know, right. uh, half a year's work, but I got into a really good show. It, as yeah. you said earlier, it's that, it's that balancing, isn't it? Getting everything right. just, right. just right. right so you're not overwhelmed at any point. Yeah. And, of course, uh, over the last year as well, uh, another project that you've undertaken is Internet Crusader, your new book coming out yeah. from Avery Hill in September. Yeah, I'm really excited. Yeah, I've you know, spoilers, I have read it. It is uh, tremendous. Uh, thank you. Thank nice. You, uh, you know, uh, love ghosts as well, but this this is um, we, we were sort of really excited about it all the way through, and just sort of getting to see the finished product now. I mean, it's such a uh, wonderful, you know, the the core concept's great, the execution's great, just every every part of it just feels uh, absolutely uh, nailed on. Do you want to have a stab at giving the, the the general conceit to the listeners? Uh, yes. So, um, it's, uh, it's a book, um, just an average everyday story. About a kid who, um, is like messing around on the computer. Um, and then he, uh, basically, I don't know how to describe it. He, um, this virus is circulating through throughout society. That's kind of uh, turning people into like slaves for like the devil to like take over the world and heaven. Uh, so God like starts messaging him and like enlist him to like play through this game uh, that God built to 
it's kind of meandering now, to, to eventually, <laughs> hopefully, kill the, the devil. Um, it sounds kind of ridiculous uh, when you explain it. Um, I mean, the wonderful thing is that is kind of ridiculous, but but it's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, one of the things uh, we love about it and we're sort of like saying to people in terms of promotional stuff is like it's a love letter to the early Internet, isn't it? It's that thing of yeah, yeah. if you've ever, if you, you know, there's going to be kids out there that have never dialed up to get onto right, the Internet. Right. If you dialed up to get onto the Internet, you're going to recognise uh, a, a lot of these things. Like, you know, um, you know, I, I know age-wise that would have been something you lived through. So I, I just wondered how much of the, uh, of the actual visual content was you sort of dredging up memories how much was was research fresh and what sort of sources did you use to sort of get sort of visual inspiration oh yeah it was it was a hundred percent like based on just like memories and stuff of like what you know the internet looked, looked like um you know maybe 20 years ago but that could only kind of go so far so i needed a ton of like reference and research um and i did so much research on this um the uh, the Internet Archive was like the number one port in, uh, for just like the research and how things looked and like, you know, what did, um, you know, a video game website in like 1999 look like? Uh, what kind of fonts were they using? Like what kind of language were they, a, you know, employing when they're like writing on their websites and stuff like that? So uh, all that kind of stuff was really important uh, to get off the, the Internet Archive. And then like you... YouTube uh, was also really important to get the look of like the the operating system. So like, what does like a really cluttered uh, you know web browser look like <laughs> in like the early two thousands? Uh, what um, what did like the menus on the computer look like? All that kind of stuff was was stuff I kind of couldn't like invent. I had to uh, do a lot of research on that. So it was uh, it was really important. I mean, I had this huge folder of just like screenshots and stuff like that from from the internet at archive from YouTube. And I guess for people who are reading the book who did live through that, the veracity veracity is important, isn't it, to sort of keep them yeah. in that moment? Yeah, uh, it was really important to me to keep it really true. I didn't really want to, like, stylize too much or, or take too much artistic liberty with it, but I did, um, I did kind of invent all the, like, branding and stuff like that. Uh, so it was, you know, like, really heavily based on, like, Microsoft, Windows, America Online, AOL, um, and stuff like that, but I would kind of just kind of invent my own brand so it wasn't so uh, reliant on that nostalgia thing so that it was, you know, a little bit more of my own personal, like, like uh, concept concepts, you know what I mean? Yeah, I guess it would just be more creatively fulfilling for you to sort of right. ab absorb those images and right. then filter them through and, and create something new yourself. Yeah, I didn't really just want to, like, be copying, like, the Microsoft logo and stuff. Like, I had a lot of fun, like, branding the operating system and stuff like that uh, with just, like, kind of my own concepts. So that was, like, a super fun thing for me as well. It's another element that you've, like, nailed as well. There's, you know, the, the one of the opening pages is, like, the screen with all the various uh, tabs for the applications. And it is this wonderful sort of blend of instantly recognizable but sort of dazzling yeah. and original at the same time so it's really sort of engaging you you're pouring over every every letter and every line because it's sort of like you know you're, you're sort of like looking to see how how it all works yeah i uh i had a lot that was like really the, the fun of it for me was like um every little like 
pop-up advertisement and like caption under like the ads on the sides of the websites and every like icon on the desktop was like um considered uh and uh just i had a lot of fun like uh writing all that text and, and stuff like that branding it i guess from a practical point of view as well we'd kind of have to not use things like microsoft and aol because the book would then kind of implicate them in a satanic cult. So <laughs> they're good lawsuits to get, I guess. <laughs> but I've met the Avery Hill legal team and they're not strong. They're not strong. <laughs> well, I was thinking, like, uh, it, it gets pretty satanic at the end. And I was like, oh, I hope some, like, Christian group picks this up and, like, hates it. Like, that would just be the best, best thing ever. Could you buy, like, five copies just to burn? Make sure you do it on telly, please, because we do need to get the word out. <laughs> in, in terms of the visuals as well, one of the things, uh, and again, without giving too much away about the book while, while talking about it, one of the things that I loved uh, about it as a piece is you never, we're, we're never not on the computer. The entire book yeah, takes right. place online or, or, or at least told through um, the screen. And in terms of that, you know, it's that wonderful thing, the thing that I love about any sort of art where you've sort of limited yourself and it forces you then to be especially creative. That was like a really conscious decision because uh, I had been wanting, wanting to make like a, a long form graphic novel for a while, but uh, every time I tried, um, I'm just like, I, I don't like drawing people and characters. And when I have to draw, like, the same thing over and over again, like, I, I, I got, like, 40 pages into this book uh, about, like, this kid. Um, but I had to draw him, like, in every panel. It was just so boring. Uh, I just lost interest. So I, I wanted something that would that would keep my interest. And, in, like, within the screen, there's, like, the chats and stuff. But then there's also the websites. Uh, there's, like, the the text, like, the whole the, the sacred text of the cult that's, like, its own book in the book and then there's there's the game uh so there was a lot of like room for um breaking away and keeping the visuals fresh while still staying in the same like uh the same world basically one aspect i found really intriguing just predominantly uh, as a comics reader is you know with traditional comics you're looking at uh, obviously panels and how they're placed and sized and juxtaposed right. affects tempo and, and tone and you know how, how the story is being told what perspective is being shown from and so many things and what i loved about this is obviously because of the nature of computers and the internet at that time you've got literal windows on the page that yeah. are overlapping yeah. and repeating and you know opened up on top of each other so for me the page instantly has a depth to it. You are you're looking into the page, aren't you? Because that's the nature of how these images are, are presented to us. I wondered how you sort of uh, approach that, and particularly in terms of you know one of the things that comic creators have to consider sometimes is um, placing uh, speech bubbles, like you know sort of sacrificing some of the art to get the words across. And, and obviously here with the overlapping panels. Uh, that are the windows you've you've kind of had to cut off certain corners but uh, i just wondered how you sort of uh, approach that challenge yeah that uh i, I kind of just went at it like randomly uh it was just pretty haphazard um for for some of it uh and sometimes it was actually like really annoying because i would like 
do this really complicated like ASCII drawing of like a demon or something, but then I have to put like a chat window on top of it, and it was like way bigger than I thought, so <laughs> stuff was getting cut off all the time, and it was like kind of frustrating. Uh, so I wanted to kind of um, show the like the desktop uh, as just like cluttered and run by like a, like a 13 year old, so there's not really any organization. Um, but I also kind of strategically um, use them to like either block or show certain information. So like, you, like I never gave away a year. I always kind of blocked the year with a um, like a chat window or something because I didn't really want to set it at like a certain time. Um, and then in terms of composition. Um, I would lay out the page to make sure like the most important information would, wouldn't be getting cut off too much um, and then kind of design around, around that. And then sometimes there, there's certain pages. I don't want to like uh, give anything away. No, there's yes. certain pages where like, um, you know, it'll be intentionally overwhelming. So I've designed it in a, like a really specific way to give this feel of like it's overwhelming or the computer's about to crash or something like that. So, so yeah, you know, uh, half, half of it being uh, kind of random and, and wanting it to make it look like a, a, you know, a 13 year old was using a computer and not really being too um, economic with, with uh, the amount of windows that are up. And also just coming at it from a designer's point of view and, and using them to my advantage to, to kind of just further the story. Well, from the design point of view, well, one of the things that I really admired in the book, again, from a, a, a comics perspective, is the fact that, you, as I say, you've got this depth, so you've got windows overlapping, but you never lose the narrative sense of the piece at all. Like, it, it felt like every page had a, 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 a flow where you're getting the information in the right order, you're being, your eyes being guided around the page like, you know, good comics are supposed to to make sure you're finding out what's happening, but at the same time, you're overwhelmed, and it's definitely, as you say, a desktop organised or not organised by a kid who's just sort of, like, clicking on stuff and then just pushing it to one side to get to what he needs to sort of thing. Yeah, it, it was like um, I didn't want anything to be so um, obvious. Like, I wanted you to have to kind of, like, look through and read through it, but at the same time, I'm legible so i kind of yeah like i would just make sure like the most important thing was somewhat visible um and then kind of layer on top of it and then there's like again i don't want to give anything away so i don't want to like go too much into the detail but there are certain instances where like 90 percent of like the text was covered up and you would just get like three or four words that kind of helped push that along and i thought that was like kind of a fun way of of, of keeping it subtle but also like having the plot in there well, one of the things that I've sort of discovered about the piece, having reread it, is that it's a real feast to reread because there's always something that you sort of, you know, as, as I say, reading it through, you get the narrative completely and all the characters, but there's loads of lovely little touches. So it does sort of reward repeated reading, which is always uh, nice. Yeah, actually, like when I finished it, um, I went back and like fully reread it from the start, and there was like stuff at the end that. It wasn't intended to be, like, foreshadowed or anything, uh, but there were definitely some instances that were, like, kind of heavily foreshadowing, like, the end. Uh, and I was like, oh, shit, I didn't I didn't, like, recognize that until, <laughs> until, until I read it again. So. You're, like, reading it going, oh, I'm good at these comics. <laughs> I did good. <laughs> Talking of sort of foreshadowing and themes, um, one of the things that occurred to me, and again, without giving away... Uh, any sort of important plot points in the book, but essentially um, 
the virus uh, that is at the, the heart of the piece is spread, at least from the perspective of, of the main character, through uh, links on a porn site. And to me, uh, I felt like that was sort of something, you know, there's that traditional sort of trope in horror stories where the sort of the sinful kids who are in the woods kissing tend to be right. the ones who are targeted by evil. And there's that, that sort of tension in, in sort of a lot of horror things of if you are sinful, you are the ones who will be uh, targeted. I wondered if that was deliberate at all. or if it's just, I mean, the other thing as well is uh, he's a 13-year-old boy and it's the internet, so not having right. porn would be weirder, wouldn't it? That's the... Yeah, that, that's the thing. Um, the way I kind of, like, justified them getting it through the porn site is that uh, the virus will, like, kind of attack a person through, like, what, um, like, what they're, like, most what their interests are. So if a person like wants to get rich, like the virus will present itself as like a get rich scheme or something like that. Uh, so the kids are really into porn because they're like 13 year old kids. So like it manifests as like a porn virus. Does that make sense? So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's really interesting. Yeah. So like, I, I don't, I don't remember if I actually put that in the text or not, but like that was my like kind of backstory is that like, if you were, you know, a grandma looking up recipes for, you know, soup, uh, you know, the virus will come through in that way. Like, it's the super pervasive virus that, like, kind of infected every area of the Internet. And that is quite interesting, that the idea of your own obsessions being mirrored onto you and causing your downfall sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, then, like, he, he doesn't get the virus uh, because his mom has these, like, really intrusive, like, parental controls on there. Yeah, I did like the idea of, uh, you know, it, there's an element of the rapture to the whole thing. And right, right. Uh, I, I like the idea of uh, the ones left behind are just the ones whose mum had, like, proper filters set up on the internet. Yeah, right. <laughs> right, exactly. And we're just a bit more careful. Yeah. The, the last two is, like, the, him and the other girl, horse lover, uh, and she's just, like, smart. She just, yes. like, doesn't trust viruses so, yeah. like that but they're the two that are like uh, approached by god well and that's the interesting thing isn't it she it, 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 as you say is saved by her savviness she's like i'm not taking right. on things on the internet even though she's young and it's the early days of the internet she's still smart enough to sort of go if something sounds too good to be true the chances are it's not true exactly exactly, exactly. yeah so um a, a wonderful piece and a real uh tribute to you as a writer in that we never really see these characters no, but we, no, no. their voices are so distinct and and real and uh hilarious as well like you know it's a, a really funny book which is uh you know a, a real sort of joy to to read great awesome thank you so we talked earlier about um the free giveaway that we've uh designed for the book available through uh, the Avery Hill website, and at the top of this interview, I will be in the Avery Hill news section promoting our, our latest offer, which is a bundle containing uh, your first book with us, Ghosts, etc., Internet Crusader, your new book, and um, the zine that comes with uh, Internet Crusader if you order it through yeah. Avery Hill. Um, do you want to tell us a little about that? Because it is um, a complete work of genius, I think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, as I was, like, making the the, like the second half of the of Internet Crusader game, 
that, you know, the kid is supposed to play and, like, defeat the devil. So uh, it's this game called Portal to Hell that God, like, made. Um, and it's supposed to be, like, in real time. So if you, like, beat the devil in it, it kind of, like, kills the virus. It kills the devil. Um, and as I was going through, like, each level in the game, and, like, there's four levels. Um, I had, like, a backstory for them. And then, like, there's a lot of enemies in it. Um, and I had backstories for all of them. Um, and I was, like, going to try to work it into the, the book itself. Uh, but it was just, like, too much. It was kind of just too distracting and stuff like that. So I was thinking, like, oh, uh, it would be really cool to have, like, a game manual for this for this game that, like, told the backstories of, like, the enemies and the weapons and stuff like that. Um, but I was just like, it's too much. Like, uh, you know, I can't, I can't really fit it in naturally. It's kind of awkward. So I just, like, forgot about it. Uh, and then Ricky uh, emailed me. And, uh, like, I guess, I guess Avery Hill does it for every book, but, like, it's, like, a book plate or some other kind of promotional item. It's, like, a print or something. Um, he said, like, we want to do something a little more than just a print. Uh, do you have any uh, ideas? And I was like, oh, yeah, let me do this manual that I was, like, thinking about, but I never, like, uh, made it. Uh, I would love to actually make it. Um, so the manual, it's, like, 12 pages, um, and it has – it's kind of formatted, like, a 90s – um, video game manual that again uh, the internet archive was like crucial they have like every video game manual going back to like pong uh, it's kind of amazing so like all the like copyright information I was able to get like references for that so it looks like really natural there's like a photo sensitivity warning for like epileptic people that that you know I kind of formatted it to be really natural and stuff like that um, so I had a, a really great uh, set of references and then I just and then I just made this book. I wanted to give a little bit more backstory of like the the evilness. Uh, so I kind of like um, gave the backstory on like the devil, all the uh, levels. Like I have like a map map of like what they look like from the outside. Um, and then I have a spread of all the enemies um, and just like a backstory of like what kind of soul is this? Like, why did they end up in hell? Like, what is their job in hell? Um, little description of the guns that you use or the weapons. Uh, and then some more like faux, uh, warranty information and stuff like that. So, um, so yeah, it was just a really fun, uh, chance for me to kind of elaborate on some of this. Cause I had all this information, uh, and I wanted to do something with it, but, um, it, it couldn't really fit in the, in the regular book. Yeah, it's, it, it is the perfect complement as an item to get with the book. Because you say, it expands upon the main thing. But I think also, you know, that does pay tribute again to you as a creator, where you had that discipline to resist the idea of just, like, overloading the book with, you know... Uh, right, right. It would be very easy to fall in love with that world and that game and decide, oh, I'm going to just put it all in. And, and in a way, you know, with that, you know, the thing of the internet at that time and video games and whatnot, that would have been a really rich, rewarding thing. But as you say, by doing that, you'd let yourself just focus purely on the narrative in the book. And then you've right. got a separate thing where you can expand upon things brilliantly. Yeah. I, the, I, my original pitch for it was supposed to be like a hundred pages and then it, it, it shot up to 200 pages. And I think I, I think I took Ricky off guard a little bit. When I was like, oh, I'm at like 196 pages. I was like, oh, shit, I wasn't expecting that. Uh, and then, so, so uh, a part of it was just like uh, doing a lot of self-editing, cutting out a lot of stuff that wasn't 
kind of condensing. I really wanted the, the front half of the book to be longer, too. Um, spend more time on, like, the kid just kind of meandering around the Internet. Um, I, I really wanted to put more emphasis on the cult. Um, but, again, like, it was just getting too long, um, and I cut out a lot of stuff that was just kind of fat, so I just kind of condensed everything. Uh, but I was really happy that we had a chance to, to put this together because it kind of functions as, like, a standalone thing um, that makes a lot of sense with the with the book. So I'm really happy with how that came out as well. You've also, when talking about the zine, skipped over, um, the, I think it's the final page, like the back cover, I've only seen it as a PDF rather than a physical thing. Oh, but it's remember, an, yeah. an advert for Work, which is another game from the same uh, games publisher. Yeah. I, that well, poster uh, is absolutely, right. I'm enthralled by it. Like, it's such a strong <laughs> image. I love it so much. Well, I, I've been working... Um... I've been working on Internet Crusader for, like, a year, um, so I hadn't had a chance to do, like, any other, like, personal work, really, uh, plus, you know, the, the freelance uh, stuff is, is pretty time-consuming as well, uh, but in my spare time, I've just kind of been developing this world, it's like this office in the future, it's, like, really dystopian, um, but it's very, like, pastel and kind of funny-looking. Um, yeah, you've posted some stuff online from that. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And, I, I, like, it, it may or may not be, like, the next book I do. I, I kind of have, a like, a concept for it in my head that I'm kind of developing a little bit, but I saw something that had already been published that seems very close to what I want to do with this, so it kind of sent me back a little. So I'm trying to figure out how to, like, keep this world uh, but make it different than that other work that I saw. Um, but yeah, it's supposed to be this, this, this future where everyone just works and then once they're like no longer, uh, uh, viable, they just get executed. Uh, and, but it's like very kind of surreal and weirdly, uh, designed. So it's just, I don't know, kind of fun. And we'll see whether or not anything comes out of it, but I just thought it would be fun to put on the back because as I was doing that research, um, it was really common for like future games to be advertised on the back of like menu uh, manuals for for the current game. So that's just why I yeah, no, it makes it's another thing that makes absolute sense uh, in that context. But it's really what I did. I, I never occurred to me that it was like you know potentially foreshadowing another project from you yourself. I just thought it was a, a you know fantastic image. But yeah, it really does. And it does a nice thing of like setting off the rest of the the manual. So you've you've kind of got that tonal shift. Uh, at the end, really starts to make it feel like, as you say, the sort of thing that would uh, fall out of your box when you open your game when you get home. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was really into, I've always been really into um, just like uh, verisimilitude, where it's just like, how can you make the, the object look like super uh, authentic and kind of faithful to like its its inspiration? So, um, like, the, the most stuff, the most fun I had, like, making this scene was like, the logo for the um, for like the game studio, uh, the like it, like on, on the top it says Prism OS exclusive, which is like the operating system that I made up, and it's just like that like uh, when you have an exclusive game, like they design the box a little bit differently, so there's always some element that says like oh this is exclusive to Xbox or something like that. So like I I made that thing too, and and that was actually like the most fun I had. Like the copyright page was like really fun. Um, just because I was trying to get it like as close to the source as possible, but still kind of have my own little, uh, you know, my own um, concepts in there. Yeah, and no, I say uh, one thing, and you know, I'm sort of uh, very excited because 
I've read them both as PDFs, but I think the physical books are going to be uh, a real sort of like, uh, you know, a, another good excuse to revisit the story in the world and find some more stuff in there. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I'm really excited to see it. Uh, um, I, I spent so long, like, printing this on my home printer and like moving things around and resizing things. So I'm really excited to see it like fully, uh, fully realized. We'll be hitting the stores in September and we'll certainly be uh, pushing it along uh, between now and then. Do you want to uh, give out your uh, like online information so people can see more um, of, of your work and follow things like the work project uh, as you, as you put yeah. things up? Uh, so I'm I'm on Instagram as Sassy Blue Panda, just one word. Uh, which I uh, <laughs> why why'd you hate it? It captures your soul perfect. Oh, uh, I, I made it. It was an inside joke when I was like 17. Uh, I never thought it would it would get that big. Uh, so now I'm stuck with Sassy Blue Panda. Uh, and then uh, my regular portfolio website is just mylastname.com. So just wildassault.com. Yeah, I mean, as a brand, the name Wild Soul is. It's a gift, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And I'm, I'm like kind of scared to, uh, to change my Instagram name. I, I put a poll on my Instagram story. Should I change it or not? And it, it was 50, 50, yes and no. <laughs> Thanks guys. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's interesting. Like, um, I can't imagine a name better than Wilasol for you right. to then make into a logo or an image or, you know what I mean? To, to sort of like then take them and brand. So um, yeah, it's a, a real gift. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I might, I might change it soon. <laughs> yeah. Consider me, I'll make it 51%. In <laughs> George, thanks so much for, for joining us once again. Yeah. Thanks again for having me. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thanks to George again for talking to us and thank you for listening. See you next month. This show is a Holdfast Network production. Go to holdfastnetwork.com for other programs you may enjoy.